Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Nancy D. Hi, I'm Nancy D., compulsive overeater, 100-pounder. Hi, everybody. Nervous to be here. Happy to be here. And, uh, wow, wow. Wow. What it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Well, what it was like when I came in, I came in a long time ago. came in the late 80s. And um, when I came in at over 300 pounds, I don't know exactly what I weighed because I did not get on the scale very often at all. And I came in and, well, let me tell you a little bit about what it was like before I came in. Okay, so I was, I thought food was the answer. I didn't, I didn't have that conscious thought about it. I didn't actually think food was the answer, but I was acting as if I thought food was the answer. I, I ate all the time. The idea of three meals, I understood there was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I understood that as a concept, yes. But it didn't have much to do with how I, you know, conducted my day. <laughs> so I, I just ate all the time. I mean, I ate breakfast, sure. Then I ate lunch and ate dinner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, when I came in, um, one, one of the things that, that brought me in specifically is food betrayed me. And what I mean by that is I would sink to depths with my food behavior and the food stopped working. And the, the, the ultimate for me, the ultimate in, in my behavior before program was I didn't feel good one day. I don't mean physically. I mean, I, I didn't feel good. I was, whatever, upset, sad, anxious, something. I don't know. I was, I was having a feeling. And, and I felt bad. And it was the end of the day. I put my daughter to bed. And I began to do what was pretty much nightly for me was the, you know, worship at the, at the food, you know, Every day, every every night, and so what I was making that particular evening, evening I felt bad, and I made from scratch the recipe on the back of the Quaker oatmeal oatmeal box for oatmeal chocolate chip cookies, and I didn't have to look at the back of the box to consult the recipe because I'd made it so often I knew it by heart. I made the entire recipe, and I have now I have my dream in front of me, which is a warm plate, a warm pan of cookies, the entire batch. It's warm. I'm on the floor looking at TV, big glass of milk, and I get that, that exhale, that, which, is what I was, which is what I went to the cookies for. And I ate the entire recipe that night, and I didn't feel any better. And so that same night, I got up, and I went in the kitchen. I made, from scratch, a cheesecake and ate the entire cheesecake, trying to get that... I ate the entire cheesecake. I, was, I didn't feel any better, and I felt betrayed. And so what did I do? That same night, I ate, I, 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 well, I ate, but first I made on the back of the marshmallow cream jar <laughs> was a recipe for, brown, for fudge, and I made the entire batch of fudge, and I think it was like a pound and a half. I don't know if it was a pound and a half or two pounds of fudge. I ate the entire fantasy fudge on the back of the marshmallow cream jar, and I ate the entire recipe myself after having eaten the cookies and the cheesecake and the fudge, 
and I didn't feel any better. In fact, I felt worse. I was sick as a dog. <laughs> and I didn't feel any better, and I didn't know what to do. I was betrayed. I was, I, 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 I literally didn't know what to do. And I had a friend that was recovering in AA. And he changed. I saw him change. And I knew that I was just like he was about drinks. I was about muffins. Mm-hmm. Which, and, I, and I felt betrayed by that, too, because I didn't think it was fair. Because you could see I had a problem. I was huge. I was, you know, big old sizes. And I was, I was thinking about, about how things were before. I've been thinking about that for the last few days. Because I knew I was coming here to talk to you guys. And I was thinking about, like, we don't talk about it so much in the rooms, but the, 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 the things you have to do literally, literally when you're that large, when they're that size. Like, I used to fly for business often, and I'd have to worry about, if I was flying, I was flying standby, that meant I was going to be in that middle seat. And I got to see, I'm walking down the aisle, and I got to see the people look away from me, hoping I wouldn't try to sit in the middle seat between them. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping I don't have to sit in the middle seat between them. And that sort of thing. Okay. So um, I'm rolling around, you know, trying to get food to, to, to solve my problems. But I, I don't have that conscious awareness of it, but that's what I'm doing. I'm going through life. And I didn't have, you know, I had a good life. I didn't grow up like, you know, I, I didn't grow up challenged at all. I, um, I was adopted. And so I came into, you know, I had a rocky start, Rocky's rocky start. But I got adopted by a good family, you know, loving people. But in my family, we didn't do feelings. Like you weren't allowed to, you had to operate, you had to conduct yourself in, in particular ways. You had to be, you know, well-mannered, well-behaved. And um, you can't tell on the recording, but I'm a black woman. I'm a woman of color. And we had to, we had to conduct ourselves in certain ways. And we moved into a, a very nice area, but we couldn't do anything that was unseemly or uh you know, the emphasis was on um, being responsible, on being a good community sort of person, taking care of responsibilities, and uh, getting a good education, getting a good job, being responsible. That was what the emphasis was on. And so if you had an uncomfortable feeling, that it was your responsibility to figure it out, handle it, but don't act unseemly, don't act bad. We didn't do chaos in my family. We didn't do drama, not at all. So... If you had a feeling, in my family, if, if I couldn't defend the feeling, then I wasn't entitled to have it. So if I couldn't have a good reason for feeling that way, it just didn't exist. So I started using food. And as, as a youth, I, I wasn't overweight as a youth. I wanted to be thinner, but I wasn't overweight because I was quite active. But when I, I grew up, I get married, I don't know how to handle any of that stuff. I'm in corporate America, got a big old job, don't know how to handle. I mean, I knew how to do the work, but I didn't, knew how to, how, I didn't know how to work with the feelings I was having because of it. And so, you know, if I had to conduct some big official meeting, um, you know, in my big size 24 suit that I paid multiple hundred dollars for, uh, I remember going to a store uh, on Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles, The Forgotten Woman. doesn't exist anymore. But, um, you know, I don't know if you know what a size 24 looks like, but it, it's a large item. And, and I, also, I also remember shopping at Lane Bryant, and, which is where I had to go for clothes my size. And I was, you know how on the uh, racks of clothing, the larger sizes are to the right and the smaller are to the left. We all know that. And so I'm in, I'm in shopping in 24, looking to the right, and there were only maybe six, eight inches more of clothing available at all. 
And I thought to myself, what will I do when I'm when I when I don't fit in this size when I'm that size? So again, I had a friend that was recovering in AA, and I knew I was just like he was. But uh, but about food. But you know what I thought? I thought that this was exactly the wrong thing to do. Come here and admit I was weak. I thought if I was the right, responsible sort of person, I wouldn't admit I was weak. I'd handle it. I'd figure it out. And so I kept annually trying to do things. And so every year I'd have the thing I was going to do, the new thing I was going to do in January. And, you know, in, in holidays, this time of the year, your, your food's all funky. And, and you say, what the heck? You know, I'd I, I mess up anyway. So, you know, you eat the beat the band and you're going to start new in January. So I was one of those kind of people. So I remember... I thought the more exotic the thing I did in January, the more likely it was to work. And so I really wanted to move into this commune. Sincerely, I wanted to move into this commune, this alive polarity commune in Murrieta Hot Springs. But I couldn't work it out in terms of time and vacation from work to really get that. And so I decided to try what my friend was trying, Overeaters Anonymous. He was trying AA, but I decided to try OA. And I heard about you guys. I didn't really know how it worked. I thought it was the wrong thing to do because I thought it was admitting I was weak. I, I thought that was wrong. But I heard about it on late night public service announcements. In those days, TV used to go off at night. Yeah. <laughs> Remember how when TV used to go off? <laughs> so, right when the station went off, there'd be public several public service announcements. And we had, OA had a public service announcement, and I'd heard it a couple of times. And, like, I heard it over the years a couple of times, and then I heard it, and I decided to give it a try. And so I came in, and um, I can't, you know, I'd been here for a few years, and I remembered I'd been here before. And I'd forgotten that, because when I, when I first came in, there was, not, not the, when I first came in, it stayed. I came in, and I stayed in 87. But when I first came in, I think I came in like 82, and I went to a meeting. It was on Crescent Heights, and it was a big meeting, and there's somebody speaking. And there was a table at the back, and I thought it was the refreshment table. <laughs> but it wasn't. It turns out it was the literature table. <laughs> and I didn't know what, what you were supposed to do, and so I was buying literature. I, bought, I had every pamphlet. I bought a big book. I, you know, I didn't do anything with it, but I bought the, I bought the literature. And I didn't, that's how I realized I'd been here before, is one day I was looking, and I thought, I have two big books. Where did I get that other one from? I forgot I'd been here before. So, but when I came and stayed, if, I, if you told me I was going to stay in 87, I would have thought you were wrong. I wouldn't have paid any attention to you at all. Because it never stuck with anything like I have with this program. And every diet I'd, found, I'd done before, and I'd done them all, including a couple of, versions, a couple of renditions of Optifast, where I lost all my weight, and I didn't eat one drop of food. Not one for six months. Lost all the weight. Duh, you don't eat, you lose weight. Um, and I remember a friend said to me, she said, you're not going to gain the weight back this time, are you? Because I've done it before. Uh, not following that, that program, but um, I did gain the weight back. And the bonus pounds, and I tried off to fast one more time, and it didn't work. And so I come in because the food's not working, not eating's not working, the whole, it's not working. I come in. And I, you guys are talking about lots of things with numbers. I didn't get right off the bat that it was 12 steps and 12 traditions. <laughs> I understood it was a 12-step program, so I kind of got that. But then you were reading these other things, and I didn't realize that they were 12 traditions. I got that later on. But I came in, and you were saying out loud things that people in my life didn't talk about. 
didn't talk about it at all. I remember hearing somebody say that they were a garbage can eater, and I thought, huh? And, and she went on to say that she, I thought that meant that she went behind the house in the garbage can, <laughs> took the lid off the trash can, and got in the garbage and ate the food. And I thought, well, I never did that before. Huh. And, and then, she, then she said, I heard somebody else say they were a garbage can eater because they threw something away in the kitchen trash, and then they got it out again. I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> and I, I'd done that, but I'd never heard anybody talk about that. Uh, I've never heard anybody talk about talk out loud about the kind of behaviors. I would have taken these things to the grave before I'd shared with somebody that I'd done what I did with food. I used to boast. I thought this was a skill. Listen to me. I used to boast about the fact that I could drive a stick shift car. I drove a stick simultaneously while reading a Thomas Brothers Guide, which Thomas Brothers was a book at that point. <laughs> I'm driving a stick, reading a Thomas Brothers, eating an ice cream cone, and I would boast about that as a skill because I, that's how talented I thought I was. So I come in. And you guys are talking about things that I didn't understand very much. You're talking about the steps. You're talking about you're reading the traditions. And I was interested in the steps. And I, I was so surprised to find out that I felt relief admitting that I was powerless over food. That's the last thing I expected to happen, that I would admit I'm powerless and I would feel buoyed by that. I, I, didn't, I didn't see that coming. But that's what happened. So I admitted I was powerless over food. I didn't get the second half of the first step right away. The, the, and my life had become unmanageable. That, that came later. But I admitted I was powerless over food. And then I'm listening to the rest of the steps, and there were some of them that sounded pretty good, and there was a couple of them I didn't want any part of. Like step four, I knew I didn't want any part of whatever that one was. I didn't want any part of nine. And so I was like, I was like shopping. I was like step shopping. And I would talk to you guys, and I'd say, okay, so... I'm powerless over food, and then I wanted to do 12, you know, tell everybody about it, you know, because I could get those two, and, and, and you, were so, you were lovely, and you were patient with me, you would just, you know, just suggest that I keep coming back, and, and I did, and you would talk right out loud, and sometimes people would say things that I'd never been able to put together in words myself. You'd say something like, like a member referred to this just a moment ago, talking about, I heard somebody say that she had a God-shaped hole. And, that, and I, I thought I was wired wrong because I would put the food down my throat and would go into my stomach, but it never really filled, filled where the hole was. And when somebody described it as a God-shaped hole, it resonated with me. You guys said things all the time that resonated with me. Uh, I heard you say, you know, to get a sponsor, Find somebody who has what you want and ask them to be your sponsor. And I was like, okay, okay, got, okay, 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 got that, okay. But how do I do that? I didn't know. I was afraid to do it. And somebody said, okay, I said, I talked to somebody after the meeting, and I said I was afraid to do that. She said, well, write down on a piece of paper, will you be my sponsor, and just have it ready. And when, and when you see somebody, you can just hand them the piece of paper. And I thought, okay, 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 okay. So I wrote it down. You know, we, this was before. We didn't have, like, phones with messages and stuff. I had to write it on a piece of paper. I had a little memo pad. Oh, okay, okay, wait. I get so excited. When I get anything, I get so excited. Okay, so I had this piece of paper ready. And, I'm, you know, I'm looking. I'm going to meetings. I'm, I'm looking around. And I, I, I'm, I'm not seeing anybody, you know, right away. You're, you're talking about the big book. I don't know what you mean so much, you know, the steps, but, I, but, I'm, but I'm interested, and every time I go to a meeting, I feel calmed and soothed, and when I leave, I feel better than I did before I came, every single time, and I used to, in my arrogance, I used to time that, if you can believe this, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't sit there with my arms actually crossed, but I had my arms crossed over my chest in my mind, you know, 
hmm, you know, and you're talking, you're reading, yada, yada, yada. And then I would hear about 20 minutes into the meeting, without exception, 20 minutes in, I felt better, without exception, every single time. And so I kept coming. And so I had the piece of paper ready to give it to somebody to ask them to be my sponsor. Should I find somebody? Okay. All right. So I'm ready. And, and, and I saw somebody and I wanted her to be my sponsor. She had what I wanted. And I got so excited that I saw her. I forgot all about the piece of paper. And I just asked her, would she be my sponsor? And she said, yes. She said, yes. And the first thing she asked me to do, and I'd heard you guys talk about this before, was 30 and 30. I didn't write, not, write off know what you meant, but you, what you were saying was 30 meetings in 30 days. And that was the last thing in the world I wanted to do was 30 meetings in 30 days. Like, I didn't want to do step four. I don't want to do nine. I don't want to go 30 and 30. I don't want to do, like, really hard work. You know, I just want to, like, okay, okay. So she says, to work with her, I have to do 30 and 30. And I said, okay, okay, all right. And so now I have a, a young child at home, which means I'm going to have to enlist the help of others to do babysitting if I'm going to go 30 meetings in 30 days, which meant to me I have to tell my family. I didn't want to tell my family. I didn't want to tell my family because, because I was concerned that my family would say, I thought you weren't supposed to be eating that. We're looking at something I would eat when I was with them. I thought you said you weren't going to be eating that anymore. And so I didn't want to tell anybody because I'd done that before so many times. And then I'd get the, are you supposed to be eating that? <laughs> so I didn't want to tell anybody. But I had to tell my family. And I started going to 30 minutes and 30 days. I started doing it, and I was able to do it. I didn't think I could do it because it sounded like too big, but I was able to do it. And I was sitting, I remember sitting in the, where was I? I was, okay. I, I was sitting in a meeting and I found some meetings that I liked and learned to call them my home meetings. And I kept coming back to those same particular meetings. And I'm sitting next to a guy that usually sits in about the same seat that I sit in each week. And he was saying, he was talking along with the reading of the 12 steps. He was saying the steps along with the person reading the steps. And I thought he was showing off. I didn't realize that if you're, you're in the rooms and you stay in the rooms and you pay attention to the steps and you read the steps and you listen to the steps, you learn the steps. <laughs> and so, and, when, and you, you know, sometime later, you know, a couple of years later, when I am in my mind staying along with the steps, I never tried to memorize the steps. I just, you come in the rooms, you work with the steps, you learn the steps, you know the steps. And so I realized the guy wasn't showing off. Um, but I get the sponsor, 30 minutes, 30 days. She gets me working the steps, and my life starts to change. And, and I'm in. I'm in. Home meeting made, if I had to point to a couple things that made a difference, 30 and 30 made a big difference for me. Finding some home meetings made a big difference for me. Getting a service, getting, oh, my sponsor told me I had to get two service commitments, I had to go three meetings a week, 30 and 30. I mean, she's giving me all these things to do. And, and it made a difference. It made all the difference. I connected. I connected with you guys. And, you know, and life, life continued. Life went on. And I got friends in this program who I began to tell the truth to. And I'm, and I'm hopping around. I've been here a long time, so I'm hopping around. When I realized I'd been in here for several years and I realized I would sooner tell you, I didn't want to tell you this, but I would sooner tell you the deep details of my sex life than my food, I knew, you know, we had touched on something here. And so I, I for a while, one, one, one of my friends in program, uh, the commitment between us, we would call our food into each other, and the commitment was we would tell the truth about our food. You want to talk about intimacy. Talking about telling the truth about your food. All right. So, and I found that I was able to do it because she was my peer. She was my friend in program. And, 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 it, and it made a connection. It made a difference. Okay. So, enough about what happened. So, I think I mean, we're, we're, 
what, wait a minute, where am I? What, what it used to be like? I think I'm in what happened. Okay. Um, so about 10 years in, life is such that, oh, when I was in about a year, my dad died. Yikes. That's tough. Parent, you know, that's tough. It's going to be tough. All right. And um, you guys made a difference. You made a difference for me. When I was in about 10 years, big life thing, brain aneurysm, coma. I was in a coma for 21 days. Was not expected to live. They gave my family a likelihood that I had. That was 80% likelihood that I would not live. And if I lived, there was an 80% likelihood that I would be a vegetable. And you can see that they were wrong. <laughs> didn't turn out that way. But they didn't know that what was going to happen. And I was in a coma. I didn't have, you know, I couldn't contribute on that at all. And so I lived. And, um... And I wake up, and I don't know I've been in a coma. I just, you know, yeah, when you're in a coma, you don't know you're in a coma. Duh. <laughs> I wake up, and life is quite different. Um, everything, I had to relearn. I had to learn to walk again. I had to learn to talk again. I had to learn to write again. I had to learn to drive again. I had to, I had to learn all these things. It was very hard. That's an understatement. But I want to, I want to back up just a bit. Um, having a home meeting, having home meetings, multiples. I remember I used to go to this meeting, Palms Park, Wednesday night, and there were a regular group of people that came. It was a pretty big meeting. And there was one woman whose uh, husband had been killed, murdered. And she would share about that, of course, every week. And it was a home meeting. I went to it every week for years. And she would share about it every week for years. Did I say that she shared about it every week for years? <laughs> she, it was a huge uh, husband murdered, ex-husband murdered, father of her children murdered, and every week she talked about some aspect of the fact that her husband had been murdered, her ex-husband had been murdered. Every week she'd talk about this. <laughs> well, okay, and so I began to, after some time, and I think she shared about this for about a year and a half every week, and I internally, not visually, but I began to internally roll my eyes because I knew what she was going to What was she going to share about this week? She going to share about the fact that her husband had been killed. Yes? Okay. And so I'm rolling my eyes. The last thing in the world I thought she was doing was helping me. I did not think she was helping me. I'm rolling my eyes. I keep going to the meeting. She keeps going to the meeting. Fast forward. I have a brain aneurysm. That's when I I was backing up to tell you about that. I have a brain aneurysm, and I'm better enough that I can, now I can, I'm out of the hospital. I had brain surgery. I have a metal clip in my my head. Um, I'm better enough. I'm coming back to meetings. And what do you think I'm talking about when I'm coming back to meetings? Brain aneurysm, yes? Yes. And then the next week when I had a problem with some aspect of having had a brain aneurysm, what do you think I was talking about? Brain aneurysm. Some aspect of the fact that this had happened to me. And then the next week, I'm still going to meetings. What do you think I'm talking about? <laughs> Brain aneurysm. And I did. And, and how I found, how I knew it was okay to share about that is she'd given me the gift of sharing each week about what was going on with her, and that she shared about it each week, some aspect of it, some aspect of it each week. And she'd given me that gift of letting me know it was okay to talk about what I needed to talk about each week. And I did not think she was helping me. So when you're sharing about something, you're wondering whether you can keep talking about it or whether anybody's going to benefit. We, they might not even know that day that they're going to benefit. And I was able to thank her. I saw her, ran it to her, you know, a couple of years after I had the aneurysm, and I thanked her. And, and, I, and I was able to be quite specific about how she'd given me the gift of letting me know it was okay to share what was going on with me. 
So, um, all right. So life keeps happening. Uh, daughter, grown up, grandchild, born. Okay. Um, retired. Uh, go back to school. Nancy goes back to school after retiring from corporate America. UCLA Bruin, by the way. <laughs> go back to school, and I'm talking about that every week. And but <laughs> I graduated with honors, just by the by. <laughs> but um, but all this time I've been in program. I've been coming back, and we used to end. Um, you know, at the end of the meeting, you hold hands, which it, it, early on, that freaked me out just by the by. You would, because you would hold hands, and then we would drop hands, and then they would talk in little clusters. You know, two people would talk. Well, I didn't have a cluster yet. I didn't have people. And so I used to, boom, I'd bolt out before the meeting ended because I didn't want to have to feel the pain of not having somebody to talk to after we let go of hands. So be aware of that for newcomers. When I first talked to somebody after a meeting years and years ago, when I first talked to them, you know what we talked about? We talked about the fact that we didn't have anybody to talk about when we let go of holding hands. That's what we talked about. So, okay. Um, where am I in time? I have to keep checking because I get, I get complete, I get, I'm so nervous before I start and then I get into it and I just, I could go on and on because, <laughs> because you've changed me. You changed my life. When I came in, I felt betrayed by food and it wasn't working and I didn't know what to do and I was, I was bereft. And I remember, I, I, early on, I spent some years trying to develop a relationship with a higher power. And I, I had always believed in God. I was raised, I was raised with church. I, I went, we went over Sunday, good church, believed in God, but, I didn't have a, a working relationship with God. I didn't have a practical relationship with God. I believe in God as a theoretical concept. Just sit around with your friends, coffee, talking about, you know, theoretical things. But day to day, I thought it was my responsibility. That's what, that's what I was taught. That's what I, I was raised. So I didn't have a working relationship with God. And I remember, and, and, and you guys would talk about prayer all the time. Step 11 talks about prayer and meditation. Meditation, I'm good with that. I had a meditation practice before I came in, but I began to use it again when I came into fellowship. But you're talking about prayer, and I didn't want to do it wrong. And that's like my, my you know, we, we all have, like, issues. <laughs> well, one of my issues is I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to do it wrong. I don't want to think I'm doing it wrong. Because if I think I'm doing it wrong, you might ask me to leave. So I don't want to do it wrong. So I wasn't practicing prayer because I wasn't sure I'd be doing it right. Should I be holding my hands, you know, in the peak fashion in front of me? I would hear people talk about praying prone, literally. Should I lay down and, and extend my hands out? Should I raise my arms up? Should I, I didn't know what to do, so I wasn't doing it. And I heard the guy talking about in a meeting, he was sharing about, he prayed in the car. And I thought, oh, prayed in the car. And so I began, my prayer practice began literally I'm, I'm, this is early on, so this is, you know, 30 years ago, and I'm in the car, I'm headed to downtown L.A. every morning, you know, Monday through Friday, going to work, I'm getting up on the 10 freeway, I had rules about this, by the way, I couldn't turn on the radio until I prayed, so I'm, I'm going up on the on-ramp on the 10, I get up there, and I don't have to worry about what to do with my hands, because I'm holding the steering wheel, no radio yet, and I'd say, hi, God, it's me, Nancy, and every time I did that, every time I do it, because I still do that, a peace, a, a calm. I feel it. Hi, God, it's me, Nancy. Because the guy, when he was talking about his prayers and his prayer in the car, it, did, it, it, it was lighthearted. It didn't have to be so formal. And so 
that's how I, that's how my relationship with God started. Was hi God, it's me, Nancy. So, oh, gee, I, I, I'm all over the map. Um, I'm all over the map. I've go, gone through the steps a number of times. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Big Book, and I was not a fan of that book when I first came in because. All I could see was the differences. It didn't bother me they were talking about alcoholics. I could substitute compulsive overeater for alcoholic in my mind. No problem, no problem, no problem. But it was, this is me, my experience. It was written by white men in the 1930s. And I did not, at, at first, see where we were the same. Okay. And, and you guys would talk about the big book so often. My sponsor, my first sponsor, I, I always had a sponsor. Not the same one person, but I always have a sponsor. I keep, I've had a wonderful line of women who've helped me. God, I've, had a, I've been so fortunate there. My sponsor said, when people call out a page number of the big book, make a note, write it down, and then go look up and see what they're talking about. And so people would, now this is the, I grew up in the third edition, so people would shout page 449, okay, on acceptance. I know it's a different page now, but <laughs> they used to talk about 449, okay. And I looked it up, and that's how I, you know, went to see what that was about. And um, so... I wanted to connect with the big book because you referred to it so often, and so I'm going to get the book because it, it helps me. So I, I, had, I had two copies. Remember, I had bought that other one, and then I had two. And so I got a big book with me in the car, and I'm early to work one day, and I, I, I want to relate to this thing. And I thought, let me just open it up and see. I'll just open it up. And I opened it up to some page, and I put my finger on the paragraph and there was some lovely little paragraph and I was like well that was nice and you know okay so, so much for that and I opened it again at random and I just put my finger on a paragraph and it was just some gem it was like great and I was like wow and so I did it again three times and every one of them was precious and I thought well, that could happen three in a row. That could happen. I did it. I did it. I did it 11 times in a row that morning in the car downtown LA, sitting in the parking lot. 11 times in a row. And I, and I said, okay, all right. I had to give up. I mean, clearly there was a message for me in the book. You, 11 times in a row, you open it, some lovely thing. Okay, okay. So I'm thinking of, oh, okay. I'm thinking about this this, um, this morning. I'm, you know, I was worrying ahead of time. I was nervous this morning. I didn't want to wait till the last minute to be nervous. I got, was nervous this morning. So I was nervous as I'll get out this morning. And I was thinking, what will I say? What will I say? What, what can I say to them? Huh? What can I? And so I went to the big book because I'm a big fan now. Oh, and how I knew, by the way, that the book was for me is page 37. The, the Jaywalker. Do we all know the Jaywalker story? Now, that is a story. Does everybody know that one? Okay, yeah, okay. Oh, doesn't know the story? Jaywalker, okay. Oh, the jaywalker? All right, so this guy, the alcoholic, has a thing for jaywalking. Go figure, but that's his thing. He likes running out in the street in front of traffic and seeing if he can get through. I don't know. I didn't say it was a good idea, but that was, he liked it. That's what he was doing. And he would dash in front of cars, and he got hit several times and he promised this he promised his family he was going to stop jaywalking i'm going to stop it for good i'm going to stop he promised he promised and and he got a, he, and the fire truck broke his back i think and he and he's i'm going to stop i swear i'm going to stop and the day he gets out of the hospital he dashes out in front and he gets hit again and i thought to myself i'm reading this story and i thought to myself this is ridiculous and the next line in the big book said you might think this example is ridiculous, <laughs> but if you substituted sugar 
eating sugar, well, the book says drinking alcohol, if you substituted eating sugar, it would, this example would fit us exactly. And that's how I knew I was in the right place. Because I had never felt understood by anybody until I connected with you guys. I couldn't explain me. I didn't understand. Like, my friend says after that Optifast, surely you're not going to gain weight again. And I didn't know how to not do that. I had no idea. But this, this book helped me. It explained it to me. And so this morning, I'm nervous. I told, told you this morning I was nervous about coming here. And so I opened the big book. I swear this is what happened. I, and and it, it was so profound for me that I... Anyway, okay, I get so excited, I get so excited. So I opened the big book, and I landed on 86, and it's talking about, now this is this morning. It says, on awakening, think about the 24 hours ahead. And it goes on to talk about relax and take it easy. And that was the answer for me. It actually happened this morning. I, I, I cried this morning when the book told me to think about the 24 hours ahead and go ahead and relax, which told me that God's got this. He's got this. So, and I didn't have any of this until I came into these rooms. I didn't have any of this. So, how am I in time? Oh, I'm running out of time. Okay. So, um, I'm going to stop now because I could go on and on and on because you've given me a life, a way of life that I practice. And step 12, I love what it, that second half of step 12. We share it with others. We had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, and we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I really try to do that, to practice the principles in all my affairs. You've changed me. Thanks. Are we done doing some questions? Oh, we've got a couple of minutes for questions. Ah, yes, Lisa. Thank you. Can you talk a little bit about what's up for you in your program right now or what you're working on in your program right now? Well, there's an intimate question. Did you hear that? She said, can you talk about what's up for you in your program, what's working in your program right now? What's up for me in my program right now is accountability and food accountability around my own food and, and the physicality of it all. That I want to think that because I'm a good person, I'm like a really good person, that it really shouldn't count what I eat. You know, that's just the way I think. <laughs> so, so what I'm into these days is, is weighing and measuring. And not, I'm not hardcore, but I got to pay attention. I got to look. I got to notice. I got to. So I'm these days. I'm sending my food to my sponsor every day. She, now you didn't say, do you want to send your food to your sponsor every day? Is what are you doing? So I'm. And some nights I'm. I'm moaning when I'm. I'm sending. I do an A E I O U ten step with my sponsor. A first one. A your, your abstinence. Talk about your abstinence. E exercise. I what did you do for yourself? O what did you do for others? U what did you uncover? So that's what I'm doing these days, and that's, so that's an emphasis for me. Yes? Thank you so much. Can you talk about how the uh, program has changed your familial relationships? Well, there's another one. Um, the question was, can I talk about how the program has changed my, changed my familial relationships? Well, it made, me, it, it, it made me honest. And what I mean is I used to leave my family home after family events, and I'd drive down the hill and head directly to Baskin Robbins. That's what I'd do. I don't do that anymore. Okay? And, <laughs> and so, now it didn't happen overnight. I don't mean that. Because my family had an intervention. They all, they lined me up and they, they all talked about how concerned they were about my eating behavior and how they thought I was missing my life, life opportunities. And they were so concerned. But I started working the steps. 
and and becoming honest. And what it means is sometimes I started saying no. And and I I can't remember whether my mom or my dad said, gee, you've changed since you started doing this. (laughs) And so they noticed a change. But I I, I became honest and I learned to keep my mouth shut because they weren't always asking. They didn't come and say, oh, come on in, Nance, give us your opinion. That is not how they greeted me at the door. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I hope that answers a bit of it. Yes. Okay, the question was she was asking me how I define how I started defining my abstinence. Has it changed over time? Have I reset my date at all? So well I was guided by my first sponsor and she taught me that whatever I did whatever I did with food, whatever I did with my program became my experience and that I couldn't do it wrong. She, she gave me that as a concept. And so and she would say I wasn't in the best position to judge whether or not I was abstinent to discuss it with her. And, and that we would talk about, we'd, we'd discuss it about a week after it had happened. And so when I had a perspective on it. So I haven't reset my date. Yes, my food has changed. Have I always weighed and measured? Absolutely not. Did I put back on the weight my, a few years ago my mom died? Did I, put, did I add some pounds on when my mom died? Oh, yeah. Did I start again? No, I didn't. Has my food always been perfect? No, it hasn't. Have I left program? No, I have not. Have I been honest about my food? Not always, but I, but I returned to it. And I found that when my, if I want my food to improve, if I want to change my food, I've got to get honest. So usually I, I can be honest with my, with my husband or with a, with a friend first, and then I can tell my sponsor, and then I can change my food. So that's, that's what I've learned. I've learned this process for me, but it starts with the honesty. So I hope that helps. So, thanks again for listening.